Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Anthony Hamilton with us, former professor of communications at a Canadian university, has a lifelong passion for helping people achieve success that they need and want. He's a best-selling author of Mind, Time, and Power, which presents a new model of consciousness based on the latest findings in physics and neuroscience. It's the model of quantum consciousness allowing you to change your past and create the future that you want. He specializes in teaching people simple mind power exercises, which can rewire your brain and transform your personality and your personal reality. Anthony, welcome back. Great to have you. Great to hear you, George. Nice to be back with you. I got to tell you, when you were with us about a year and a half ago, I'm still getting emails from people who just thought the world of you. So thank you for that. Wow, what a pleasure. Thanks very much for that good news. (laughs) Tell them to go to my website and send me an email. How did you get involved in this field? Well, my story starts, as I mentioned to you once before, um, I had a dream when I was about 10 years old. I mean, I, I was in a tree. I was playing with, with some friends. I fell out of this tree and knocked myself out. And the next thing I knew, I was out of my body looking down at myself at what seemed to me to be about the age of 32. And so from that moment, I guess that's an epiphany, right? Yeah. Um, I knew, quote, unquote, knew what my future was going to be all about. I knew that I was going to be a writer. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to be helping people achieve more happiness and success in their lives. I knew I was going to be a university professor. I knew I was going to be married to an Asian woman. And... um, so starting shortly after that, I uh, devoured every self-help book I could find, every book on consciousness, metaphysics, mind power, uh, also quantum physics and Einstein's theories of time and space, looking for some logical reason or some logical explanation for what happened to me, because I felt right from the beginning, that this was not some weird fantasy in my mind. This was a glimpse of my future self. And so I spent about 20 years almost researching and reading and studying to try and figure out how it's possible to get information from the future. And eventually I came to realize that the key to it is to realize that memory is not a recording, as people had thought for Mm -hmm. years, and a lot of people still do think. Memory is a connection, very similar to the connection that you and I have right now. I can hear you, you can hear me. So information is going both ways. So when you think of memory as a connection, all of a sudden it makes sense that you can remember not only the past, But the future, too, because Einstein said the laws of space and the laws of time are mirrors of each other. And one of the things that I had read in so many books, and you've heard it a thousand times, and so have the people listening to us, the key to success is to set goals. Absolutely. And what what I realized in my research is that only about 3% of people set goals. They have a system for setting goals. And I realized that not only is thinking of the past a connection, 
But thinking of your future goals is a connection, too. So this was in around 1980 when I figured this out, and I started teaching, started writing, started doing workshops on what I called mental time travel and mind power. And much to my surprise, in around 1995, starting in 1995 and you know for the next few years, using something called a functional MRI, scientists discovered that the mind works exactly the same in the future as it does in the past. So I believe that the key to happiness and success is to, lear- is to learn to use your mind as a time machine to find the positive energy in the past and to decide on the future that you want to experience and start to plan it and start to live it. You had a study today, Anthony, that said that the brain is 15 seconds ahead of what it passes on to our brain, basically. Wow, that's amazing. It is. It's kind of strange. It's almost like a time time warp. Well, you know, I was watching a video by Michio Kaku. You know who he is. Oh, yeah. He's been on here many times. Right. He says the brain is a time machine. The frontal lobe of the brain is a time machine. And Daniel Gilbert quite a well-known psychologist, Mm -hmm. the author of Stumbling on Happiness, he says the same thing. The frontal lobe of the human brain is a time machine. So this idea, which I thought was so crazy at the time, that your mind is actually a time machine, uh, now science has proven it to be true. And I did the other day, I was doing an interview the other day with somebody, and um, just just before the interview, I, I just turned on the computer and did a quick Google search on mental time travel, there were 2.6 billion references came up. That's amazing. So this idea that the mind is a time machine is now seemingly everywhere. <laughs> you know, every place I look, I find examples of it. I got to tell you, it's it's fascinating. Now, tell me about the title "Mind, Time, and Power" in your best-selling book, because that tells you everything you need to know. Well, it does. You know, the thing that I was studying at the time, one of the things that I studied was what I call mind power, right? There's a ton of books on mind power. I mean, people have been talking about mind power since the time of the Buddha, you know. Buddha said, um, with our thoughts, we make our world. So the idea of the power of the mind, the power of thought, and I was taking workshops and seminars and reading books, you know, Think and Grow Rich and The Magic of Believing, mm-hmm. The Magic of Thinking Big, and a lot of books which I'm sure you have read. Or, Claude you know, W. Bristol, Magic of Believing. That's right, Claude yeah. Bristol, exactly right. And so I was reading these kind of books. So what I realized was that the key to the power of the mind was how it works in time. So that's why I called my book Mind, Time, and Power. Because in a nutshell... The power of the mind comes down to being able to change a thought. And what I, what I often talk about in my workshops when I'm doing a, um, a training with somebody, you know, I'll ask people, um, when I use the word dog, when I say dog, how many people feel uncomfortable? You know, a whole bunch of hands go up, right? Really? People are, people are afraid of dogs, you know. So I say, what if I change it a little bit? What if I add one word to it? What if I say baby dog? Mm -hmm. Or pet dog. Pet dog, you know? 
Now the hands go down, right? Nobody's afraid of a puppy. So when you say dog, you know, if people think of a, an angry German shepherd, if that's the picture they have in their mind, that's, right. that's, that's the thought they have, naturally they're going to feel uncomfortable. But when they think of a puppy, it's just a different thought, right? Now they feel good. Oh, it's a cuddly, cute little thing. I want to hold it, right? So that's what mind power comes down to. It's, it's, it's understanding, and this is not easy, by the way. It takes a bit of practice and a bit of training, but um, to be able to recognize what thought you're thinking that's causing you to feel the way you feel and to learn how to change it into a better thought. And that, uh, that last song you were playing about, you know, walking on, on the sunny side of the street, that's that's a perfect example of changing your thoughts, you know. It Not is. seeing the rain, but seeing seeing the rainbows. And it works. It works. It absolutely works. We have a guest. His name is Joseph Gallenberger. I quote him a lot. He has written works called Liquid Luck. And what he does, Anthony, is he takes groups of people to Las Vegas to test. And he takes happy people in one group, unhappy people in another, miserable right. people. And he says the happy people always seem to win, and their luck is just always better, as opposed to the unhappy people who lose all the time. How does that happen? Of course, losing makes me unhappy. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know. And, and what's the difference between seeing something as, as good luck or bad luck? Right? There's that famous Chinese story, you've probably heard it, you know, about, uh, you know, the army comes, uh, comes into this little village and they take all the men away, but the one guy who has broken his leg, um, he they, doesn't get taken away. They don't want him. It's good luck, because you broke his leg. Well, a week before, when he broke his leg, everybody was bemoaning his bad luck, you know? So everything comes down to context. And learning how to enlarge or shrink down that picture that you have in your mind to change the context, you know, thinking not in terms of maybe a day or a week, but thinking in terms of a month or a year or five years and, and thinking the kind of life you would like to live five years from now and enlarging your context gives you a whole different point of view and you can start to feel better about your possibilities in the future. How do we change our past? Because you believe that's doable. Changing the past, man, I'll tell you, changing the past. Number one, it happens all the time. But people don't notice it because they, they aren't. You know, they don't think it's possible, right? I think it was Mark Twain who said, you know, when I was 15 years old, I thought my dad was the stupidest man on earth. And by the time I got to be 30 years old, I was amazed how smart he had become. <laughs> He turned out to be one of the smartest guys in the world. <laughs> That's right. But changing the past comes down to reframing a past event, just as the example I just gave. You know, you break your leg, it's bad luck. But then if it, if it saves you from going off into the Army, it's good luck, mm -hmm. right? So maybe, people... maybe. <clears throat> Sorry? I did nine years Navy. I think I had a good time doing that. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I said I spent nine years in the Navy, and that was good luck for me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. My, um, my, my dad was in the Navy 20 years, and I come from a, from a Navy family. I got two uh, siblings that were in the Navy. So, you know, I'm not saying it's bad, but certainly being... Not war, that's something war, else. You know, yeah. that's bad luck, <laughs> especially when it's against your will, you know.
So the thing is, to realize that you can shift the way you're looking at something and it'll change the meaning of it, right? And when the meaning of it changes, then your feelings about it change. Is it like taking advantage of a bad situation, trying to find the good in everything? Well, it's exactly that, because there is good and there is bad in anything, right? Right. I mean, the perfect example... If you look for it, sure. Yeah, yeah. The you know the people that I admire for for being experts at this are sports people. You know, especially the individual sports like uh, golf and and tennis, which I you know which I love to watch. Yeah. Um, because after the tournament is over, they always ask the ask the loser. You know, um, what do you think about the tournament? You know, how was your performance? And they always say, I did a lot of great things. You know, I drove the ball well. I chipped well, and my putting was good. Unfortunately, you know, somebody else played played better played today, better. right? That's so it right. feels bad to lose, but I'm proud of my performance. So that's what they do. Like, they train themselves to look for the positive in every situation, right? And that's that's why they're champions. All this that happens, is it happening with the biological brain, or is it happening outside of the brain? Well, I'll tell you, you know, that's that's a pretty difficult question, and uh, there's a lot of people, me included, who think that consciousness happens outside the brain, that the brain is kind of like a radio set. Yes. Like, you're on the radio now, and there's hundreds of thousands of people listening to us right now talking. Uh, those are radio waves going through the air, right? But if they don't have the radio tuned to that signal, they're not going to hear us. But the signal's still there. And it's still out there. It's still out there. And I think it's the same thing with, with uh, consciousness. You know, like, there's lots of thoughts that you and I will never think, but there's lots of thoughts that we do think, right? And so I mentioned that in 1995, using a functional MRI, they discovered that thinking of the past and thinking of the future was, was basically the same thing in the brain, right? So when we daydream... We're dreaming in the past and we're dreaming in the future. You know, the mind just wanders back and forth. The other thing that they discovered has now been called neuroplasticity, which means that the brain can change. The brain can, can continually adapt and learn new things and actually change its structure, right? Change, change the neurons in the brain. And the amazing thing that they've discovered is that just by thinking in a certain way, and the certain way is focused attention. So when you focus your attention and you study something, you're trying to answer a question, you're trying to find a uh, solution to a problem, that focus of your awareness actually changes the brain. And what they've found is that if you systematically do these kind of focusing exercises where you're thinking about something, you're trying to find the good, let's say, in a, in, a, in a past negative event, something that you were sure was a negative event. When you focus your mind and you concentrate to try and find some good in it and you eventually find some good in that past experience, that physically changes the brain. Now, this was a mind blower when the scientists first discovered this because they had always considered consciousness 
to be an epiphenomenon of the brain. And what is, to you, Anthony, consciousness? Consciousness? Wow. That's a, that's a difficult question. Um, I see consciousness as uh, similar to a radio wave or gravity, something like that. It's a field that we move around in. We can tap into it. We can harness it. We can use it. And we, we experience various ideas. Right? Is it like the wireless Internet? Absolutely. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. You know, uh, as I say, you know, people without a radio now, they, they can't hear us. But there's something in the structure of the radio that takes the signals that are in the air all around us that we can't see and changes them into sound waves. You know? Is that why telepathy could work and intuition could work? Because we tap into something that so many other people are tapping into at the same time? I think so. You know, there's lots of um, stories about scientific breakthroughs that are discovered by some solitary scientist somewhere, and then you find out uh, a little bit later that another scientist, maybe in a different country, discovered the same thing. So it's almost like the information is out there, and certain people, if, they're, if their minds are attuned to it, they can tap into it. I was cleaning out uh, one of my uh, cabinets uh, in the office tonight, and uh, I heard a song that came over the radio. It was an old song. And I just thought for a moment, gosh, wouldn't it be great to get all the words to that? Anyways, as I'm moving these books around to clean things out, I put, pip, pull a book out that said 40 songs from the past. I open it up. I just opened it up, and there are the words to that song. What, what are the odds of this happening? It's amazing, you know, it's amazing. I've had experiences like that. I mean, it's, you know, you've heard the story about you're thinking of a friend, right, and then the phone rings, and it's... It's, it's, it's that it's person, that's right. Well, you saying that, uh, you know, your, your brain is 15 minutes ahead or something of, of what you experience. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Kind of reminds me of something like that, you know. Like, um, the thing that I finally realized and um, that answered the question that I asked myself when I was 10 years old, you know, how is it possible to know the future in advance, right? I realized as I got older and studied all these books on success and metaphysics and everything that we're always getting information from the future, but we just don't notice it. Right. And but we, we ignore it in some cases. Well, we ignore it. Yeah, we don't even see it, right? But certain people tap into it. You know, there's a guy that I think you've probably heard of. His name is Elon Musk. Yeah, we've heard of him. You heard of him. <laughs> well, there is a guy that if you could read his brain, he's obviously, to me, obviously, spending a lot of time focusing on the future, right? I think so. And mm -hmm. he has the power and the skill and the experience and the business acumen and everything else to actually translate his ideas into physical reality so that now thousands and millions of people around the world are affected by his thoughts, his ideas, right? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.